This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, everybody. We're back, uh, Wednesday Bible Study. And of course, this is uh, on YouTube, our YouTube channel also. You can watch it anytime, and I think that's where most of you do watch it. But we come to you right now on uh, Wednesdays at 4 o'clock. It's our, when we first show these things. And we're currently in the, uh, the book of Colossians. It's a New Testament letter written by Paul. We're in chapter 3, and uh, the reason we do this is so that you'll get a little bit more Bible study. We want your foundations firmer. We want you to get a biblical worldview as a follower of Christ uh, so you don't fall in the traps of all the other worldviews out there. Now, we are picking up our story here in, in Colossians chapter 3, <clears throat> and Paul has been talking about laying off and putting on, laying off the old self, the old nature, the old way we used to be before Christ, and then putting on the new self, which is being uh, formed in the image of Jesus Christ. Now, to change things like that, and those are radical changes, and if you're a follower of Christ, you probably experience them, but it takes repentance. Now, repentance simply means to change the mind, metanoia, to change your mind. But to change your mind is just the first step. You see, anybody can change their mind. But you need the power to take the change of the mind into change of behavior. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. We need the power of the Spirit of God living in the believer. So once you're born again, the Spirit's living in you. The cross of Christ has rendered the old nature dead. The Spirit of God brings you in a new life. The changed thinking is repentance. Once the mind perceives, once you understand what truth is, you go, ah, I'm not living this right. This is the right way to go. And so now you have the power through the Spirit of uh, Spirit of God and the cross of Christ to walk in new life. You could put on the new self, the new behavior. Now, with that said, we're going to continue in this new stuff that Paul's talking about. And we're going to look at what Paul says specifically within the importance of the Word of God, which for me, it's like the big deal. But here we go. The first thing I want to say today is where Paul says, put on the Word of God. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gladness in your hearts to God. Hmm. So he's telling us, you're going to put on the word of God, Jim. Now, when he says, let the word of God richly dwell the word dwell is a great word. You know what it means? It means to be at home. Now, when I'm at home, I'm at home. And what I mean by that is, I can get up, I can go in the fridge, I can get whatever I want out of that fridge. I can go in the pantry, I can get whatever chips I want out of that pantry. I can choose whatever bathroom I want to go into, and I can go into that bathroom. I can sit on my favorite chair or whatever chair I want to. I can grab the remote. See, I, when I'm home, I have free reign in that home. I'm at home, meaning I can do whatever I want in there. Question, is God's word at home in you? Does it have free reign in you? Can it tell you to do whatever it wants to tell you to do? Does it have uh, dominion and reign over your stuff? 
over your behavior, over your words, over your finances, over your relationships, over your marriage? Is it richly dwelling in you and I? Is it at home? That's a big question, isn't it? But he didn't just stop there. He says, richly dwell. Ah. So it's to richly be at home. Now the word richly means overabundance. Huh. Well, some of us know what that means just by walking in our closets. There's an overabundance of clothing in your closet. There's an overabundance of shoes in your closet. There's no more room. I mean, it's coming out of everywhere. You have no more storage for them. You might have even rented storage somewhere else and you bring your winter clothes home and send your summer clothes there and vice versa. That's called an overabundance. I mean, <clears throat> Paul says, the word of God should be at home in us, but there should be an overabundance of the word of God. We should be so filled with the word of God that it's just coming out of our ears. It's oozing out of us. Now listen. The psalmist said, my cup runneth over. Oh, my cup runneth over. So here's a great question. When we get tipped, when something happens in life, what runneth over out of you? What is there an overabundance of? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it ugly words? Is it revenge or is it the word of God? My cup runneth over. When you and I get tipped, what comes out of us? Well, what comes out of us is, um, is a declaration of what there is an overabundance of in our lives. Well, Paul says the word of God. It should be overabundantly in our lives. So it just flows from us in whatever situation. So I got a question. Why? Why don't a percentage of Christians read, study, or even have a hunger for God's Word. Why? Let me give it a shot. And maybe this might help you. I think I've run into people that they can't get anything out of it. Well, it's the translation they're reading. It's like they're reading King James 1611 English in the King James Bible, which is a great Bible. But for some people, it, it, they, it's not the language they read anymore. It's not the English we have. So get a simpler translation that will help you immensely. Um, other people, I find that they say, I, I do my reading right before bed. No, you do your sleeping with the Bible open right before bed. You're going to fall asleep. I guarantee you, if you have insomnia, start reading the Bible right before bed. Satan puts you to sleep right away. <laughs> poppies, poppies. He's going to put you to sleep. You think he wants you to read that? Right before bed is not the best time to read the scriptures, my friend. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a problem. How about this one? People get down on themselves. I didn't read for two, three days. You know, so I just, I finally gave up. And like I always tell you on Sundays, well, if you miss a meal, you sit there and tell yourself, well, that's it, never eat again. You don't get yourself down on that. No, you eat again and you eat plenty again. Do the same thing with the Bible. So you miss a day or two. Get back to it. Read again. And by the way, don't read something that is just too much for you. Like, I would never start you off and get you going like reading Leviticus or Numbers with all the numbers. And they're all fine. 
but stay in the New Testament. If this is new grounds for you, stay in the New Testament. Read Old Testament Proverbs. Stay in those two things there. It'll make more sense to you. Make, you're a New Testament believer as it is. And then as you gain, gain your traction in the scriptures, then you go back and start reading Old with the New. And man, those stories will just come alive because you'll see Jesus in those stories because Jesus always, always has been. He's always existed. Now, another reason I find that people uh, don't read the Bible much is because, and I've heard this a lot, I just don't remember what I read. So why read? Well, like I like to tell you in Sundays, do you remember what you ate on towards, in, uh, in, let me give you arbitrary date, on November the 1st, uh, 2006, for dinner? No, you don't. But you ate and you're alive today because you ate, right? That's the same thing with the scriptures. You eat the scriptures, you read it, and your spirit, because you have a spirit part of you that's born again, it needs those scriptures. It needs to eat. Just because you don't remember it doesn't mean it's not in there. And I like to tell you, whatever's installed can be recalled. So if you're reading it, it's in there and the Spirit of God can bring it back to your remembrance at the right times. Yeah, that's potent, my friends. So get back to reading. Now, <clears throat> here's, here's the deal right here. We give our time to what matters most. At least what we think matters most. So maybe we don't put the Bible really up there on what matters most. And, and maybe we should. And the reason we should is because we live in a world, and it's no different than every generation, but I think it's a little worse than when I was, well, I think it's a lot worse than when I was growing up. There's just a lot of lies being pushed forth out there. We live in a time now, like Isaiah said, they call evil good and good evil, and that's exactly the way it is. So the worldview's all skewed and upside down. You need the Word of God to get a biblical worldview, to know what the truth is. Pilate said, what is truth? The truth was biggest miss, wasn't it? Truth was standing right in front of him in Jesus Christ. But Pilate's going, what's truth? He's right in front of him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we need the truth of God's Word to combat the latest cultural thinking. We need to get back to Christ-like thinking, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So we got to put a high priority on God's Word. Read it. It's God's love letter to you and I. Now, when we do this, when we make it at home, when we make it an overabundance in our life, there's some positives that Paul stated in that verse. He says you get wisdom. Anybody want wisdom? I do. He says teaching. In other words, the ability to instruct others. Then you use the word you have it, you admonish. What's that mean? It's the idea of a, a rebuke or a warning. See, now as you grow and you grow in God's word and your life is transformed, here's the importance of God's word now. Now you got some stuff in you, you got some wisdom, you got admonishment where you can help people say, that's not the way you want to live it. That's not the way you want to look at it. You can give them a mild rebuke or warning. Better than that, you can give yourself. I can give myself a mild rebuke or warning because I'm saying, wait, that's not the right way to think, Jim. That's not the right way to live, Jim. This is telling me otherwise. So I can admonish myself. I can course correct myself according to God's word. That's the importance of God's word. Now, here's what I found in people. And I've you know, been doing this a long time. I find it in myself. People repeat patterns many times to their own hurt. Don't they? 
Don't people repeat bad financial decisions? Don't people repeat really bad relationship decisions? Don't re people repeat behaviors? They're like, oh, I don't think you should do that, but they repeat it. You know what's interesting to me? People get out of a bad relationship. They say, I'll never date or marry anybody like that again. <laughs> yeah, give them about a month. And what are they doing? Dating somebody just like that again. And they marry just like that again. And they've just repeated a pattern that they once said, I'll never do that again. See, we need God's word. We need to wash our minds clean by the water of the word of God. That's what Ephesians 5 tells us. In the husband-wife relationship, he was to wash his wife's mind clean with the word of God. And the great beautiful picture of that is when they leave Egypt in Exodus and they go through there and the Red Sea parts and as they go through and then they get to the other side, here comes Pharaoh's chariots and God allows the water to come back down, washing away the Egyptians forever in their life. They're washed away by God's word as God brought the water back on there. Because God had told them, these Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again forever. See, there's things that we need to let go of, lay aside, get rid of forever, and we wash our mind clean. Here's the importance of God's word. Wash our mind clean with this thing. And the spirit of God dwells in us and the cross of Christ's power that renders the old nature powerless and we can walk a new life. No more repeat patterns. Isn't that great? Walking with wisdom and instruction and admonition to correct and we don't do the same mistakes over and over again. And that's called growth. That's called growth. And by the way, you become pretty dangerous to the gates of hell. Because now you're walking in full capacity power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You're dangerous to Satan because he knows there's a live one here who's not falling for the lies anymore. Now, the second thing Paul tells us is that the Word and worship go together. Now, in verse 16, let me read it again. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. With psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Oh, now we find something goes really, really well. Like a good meal, there's certain things that go together. Like my wife, she makes for me tacos, and she makes guacamole and her homemade hot sauce, and she makes ground beef tacos. It's the only way to eat them. And the lettuce, tomato, and then I put the guacamole in. They go together. They go Without that guacamole, without that hot sauce, it's okay, but you put it to, oh my gosh, it's like the rapture just happened. It's so good. See, the word and worship, they go together. The words richly dwell in every one of us. And then he, and he says it with hymns and songs, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness to our hearts. Oh, that's interesting. Paul seems to think that worship and singing to God is like, really important. But how many of us don't look, look at it that way? We need to get into church, be ready to rock and roll in the worship time. Hmm. He says worship in our hearts. It's big. The Word of God is to be at home in us. Huh. So two things should be at home now. The heart is not it's not a physical organ. It's the seat of all your emotions. It's the inner you. It's the deep you. 
See, when you put the word in there and you put worship in that heart, now you have directional worship. You have a directional thinking process towards God and you're not going to get off track because how many of you know it's easy for your heart to get off track and mine too and put God second, third, fourth, or fifth on the list. That's why the writer of Proverbs says, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. Guard it. Put the word in there. Let worship flow from there. You put those things together and you've got a directional life directing toward God. God is number one and you don't take him off the throne and make him second, third, fourth, or fifth. This is the importance of the word and this is the importance of worship. Whoa, I like that. Now, the third thing Paul says, our words and actions should glorify God. Oh, Colossians 3.17 says this, whatever, say whatever, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you say, deed, whatever you do, whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, there's giving thanks again, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Oh, okay, here we go, here we go. <clears throat> everything, everything we say, everything we do should be for the glory of the name of Jesus. Have you ever thought like that? Have you ever thought that your life as a follower of Christ is to be lived to glorify God? That brings up an important question. You ever ask yourself, did what I just say or did what I just do glorify Jesus or discredit the name of Jesus? That's a big question. And Paul says, whatever. Whatever you do, Jim. Whatever you say, Jim. See, whatever encompasses whatever. It's everything. In everything, in every pocket, every facet of our life, we should glorify the name of Jesus. That is how we let our light shine before men in such a way that they see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Jesus said that on the, on the Temple Mount. Notice, our good works glorify God and people see that and now they, by our good works that we live for God, they glorify God. So we are vessels that push the glory of God <laughs> straight up to God. Isn't that something? And by the way, Jesus one day said this in John 8. He's in, a, he's in a verbal battle with the, with the Pharisees. And um, they basically tell him, you're glorifying yourself. And Jesus says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Yeah. You ever run into people that just talk about themselves all the time and all they've done and all they've accomplished and all they have and all they do is glorify themselves? 
Honestly, how fast do you want to get away from that person and that conversation? Fast. Because you know it's all about them. In Christianity, we get healed of that. It's not all about us. What a healthy way to live. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. Aren't the heroes, the people we look up to, aren't they the people that sacrifice and really don't want any credit for anything? Aren't they? Aren't they? Of course they are. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. But if I glorify God with my life, my words, my actions, oh man, people see that and they'll glorify God too. So everything, Paul says, everything, we take that word of God, we take the worship of God, it's the importance of the both, we put it in our hearts, and now we begin to live it. And everything that we do is in line with those things. And we glorify God in everything. Is that difficult? <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. I, I have never been able to glorify God in everything. But I try. But here's the way I look at it. The greatest running backs in the history of football. Do they fumble? Yeah, they do. But not often but not often, but they do fumble. They keep their fumbles to a minimum. Here's my point. When we fumble, when we make a mistake, when we fall short, to bring back the glory to God, we need to apologize. We need to ask a person's forgiveness. We might even need to make restitution because it brings back the glory to God. And that impresses people. And it shoots the glory to God through us. Through us. You're going to fumble. You're just gonna, we're all going to fumble. But fix it. Fix it quick. And you'll restore the glory to God. Well, I'm going to stop right there and uh, hope you, you enjoyed this and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.